Welcome back to Coach's Kona, a Merrimack College podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Hopi, president of Merrimack College. This week, head coach of men's baseball, Nick Barisi, and head coach for women's softball, Elaine Schwager. Join me for a preseason discussion as both programs prepare for the launch into Division I. Barisi and Schwager cover the excitement, challenges, and changes we will see as their programs start a new era in the Northeast Conference. Enjoy the lively conversation, and thank you for tuning into the world of Warrior Athletics. Jeremy, it's good to see you again. Happy New Year. Welcome back. Happy New Year, Chris. Uh, we're going to talk all athletics here. Let's talk a little bit about the NEC, and uh, in particular, our basketball team. What's going on? Yeah, we're, we're starting to sound a little bit like a broken record when we get together to talk about how the team's doing, but... Uh, you know, the men and women took a, a road trip out to the west coast of the NEC out in Pittsburgh and western Pennsylvania and played uh, for both of them really two of the tougher teams in the conference. And, you know, between the men's and women's to come out three for four out of that with two wins on the men's side and a split on the women's side is, you know, it's remarkable. And the women find themselves right now in the top half of the conference. The men uh, standing right now alone in first place um, with a with only one loss in conference, and they were able to redeem that loss with a win at, at uh, Robert Morris this weekend. It's been amazing. You know, the the team's playing really well. They're playing um, they're playing with confidence as much as anything. Um, they go out every every night, every afternoon, and they expect to win. And and more often than not, they've been doing that. Yeah, coach has done a great job. I mean, they're playing a lot of freshmen as well. So I think this is uh, kind of a precursor for the future. Um, and uh, we're pretty excited about that as they, they, they learn and kind of get used to playing Division One. They've had a, a great season so far. What do you think? It's, how do you think the rest of the, the conference is reacting? You know, I, I actually I spoke with Commissioner Morris last night after the, the wins, and um, they're really proud of us. You know, I think, I think they, they, uh, their decision to invite us to join the NEC has, you know, they have no doubt that they made the right decision at this point. Um, you know, to come in and from this fall to have our teams be competitive from day one, to have that carry through the, the winter season up to this point. Um, you know, we have expectations, and I know we're going to have conversations in a little bit with some of our spring coaches. And, you know, I think they feel a similar confidence. And, and a lot of it, it speaks to our coaches. It speaks to our student-athletes. Yeah, as president, I'm really proud of our team. But I'm also proud because we're representing the conference so well. And, you know, Commissioner Norris is just, just a wonderful human being and a great commissioner and uh, been very supportive. And I've been very, very impressed with uh, not just her and her team and the whole conference, but all of the, the members and, and the president has been very welcoming. And uh, it couldn't, been, it, it couldn't be better for Merrimack, and I think, for them. And I'm glad we've done well to represent the conference well. At the same time, um, um, I'm sure they look, uh, they look even smarter than they were letting us in, which is, which is great. Yeah, I think they, they really looked to us as they invited us to the conference to be a school that could help raise the standing and stature of the, the league. Um, and whether it's through some of the non-conference wins that we've had in different sports or the ability that we've had to step in and compete right away against some of the best teams in the Northeast Conference, um, you know, it, it was an affirmation of their decision. Um, and I think they're, they're as proud of what we're doing as we are. That's great. Well, we're coming up on the spring season already. We're already halfway through the winter season. And uh, today we have two spring coaches here with us. Uh, Nick Burris, who is the uh, men's baseball coach. Been with us for a couple of years now, Nick. Welcome. Thank you. And Elaine uh, Schwager, who's uh, actually head softball coach. So, Elaine, welcome. It's great to have you both here. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I can't believe, you know, even though it's snowing outside, it's <laughs> spring season is in, in full fold and teams are practicing, getting ready to go. And uh, 
So before you know, we're going to be on that field. It'll be a little cold. But yeah, thermometer field. says 13 degrees today. So, <laughs> you know, nothing like that in this region speaks more about so. baseball and softball season coming up. So, Nick and Elaine, it's great to have you here and talk about the field and uh, your two sports, baseball and softball. So I'm going to jump right in. And, you know, we haven't had you on the show before, but I want to talk a little bit about about um, your own experience as coaches in the transition to Division One, Nick, what has, been, what has it been like so far for you? It's been exciting. I think, you know, what's been great is to see all the previous teams and, and the sports and how the success that they've had makes us feel confident. And I know we've we've had success at the Division Two level, and, and we're certainly ready to bring that to Division One. And I think the players that we've brought in, how we've recruited and how we've established our program and our culture is we feel really confident that we're going to be able to compete right away in the NEC and, and continue to build on that reputation that Merrimack College has in the conference athletically. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. You're, it looks like you're going to have a pretty decent team this year and moving that forward. you got some, some new young players in there, pretty good. Yeah, we have some young guys, and, and I think a big strength for us this year is going to be the returners that we have, especially in our infields. We had the uh, Northeast 10 Player of the Year in the conference coming back and playing third base for us. Joey Porcelli, he's a really great player, and I think for us to have – that veteran presence in such an important spot on the field is going to be big for us moving forward. Great. Now, Lane, a little bit about your experience of going to Division One. I. I mean, you have some of the experience in the past with this, but talk a little bit about, about what's going on with you and in that transition. It's been exciting. It's been very exciting watching the teams that are currently playing, uh, but it's also been fun watching the community become more involved. I live here in the community, um, and everywhere I go, people are asking questions. They recognize Merrimack. They're coming to the games. And that's been a really fun part to watch that we weren't necessarily anticipating seeing quite so much. Um, I think that the NEC is the perfect conference for us to have come into. Um, and I think that we fit very well competitively. I feel as though we're recruiting right alongside. Now, my understanding is um, you're a BU grad. You played softball for them. And uh, and uh, I think uh, we're hosting them this year for the first time ever. Tell me what that's like, your alma mater and your former team as a player, and now they're coming to your campus and a program you've built. It's been fun watching BU play over the past 20 years. Uh, hard to say that it's been 20 years, uh, but they've had a lot of success. And um, it's Ashley Waters, respect her tremendously. She's the head coach of the program. And in fact, she's one of the people that I've used to call to get advice, ask questions, how do we go about scheduling and that type of thing. Um, but as much as I've been cheering them on in the past, in this instance, I'm not necessarily cheering for them. I'm looking forward to having the opportunity to grab a couple of W's for them. And who else have you scheduled this year um, out of conference? Um, up north, we have Providence College. We have Boston College. We're going to play Quinnipiac, Fairfield. We have a really nice mix. We're playing 32 non-conference games this year, which is a little bit different than what we've done in the past. In yeah, wow. the NE10, we generally play a lot of conference games. The NEC is a smaller conference, so we'll see 18 conference games, but the rest will really be of the 50, all non-conference. So it's going to be fun. We don't know a lot about the teams, but that's part of the fun of moving Division One, getting to know them. Yeah, and tell me a little bit about who you think is going to be your biggest competition within the NEC this year. Over the past few years, um, St. Francis has been the dominant team. They've won the conference the past three years. Last year, Long LAU Brooklyn went on to be the regular season champs. But, of course, St. Francis, having the experience of winning, went on to win the conference title. So they went on to the NCAAs. So I, I think, you know, with the experience that St. Francis has and the winning culture they have, they'll be a tough opponent for tough us. Tough opponent for you. And, Nick, tell me a little about your, your, your teams you scheduled this year and your own experience going into the NEC. Yeah, we have a really exciting schedule. I think for us, the one that a lot of people look at when they see online our schedule right away is Michigan State, and, and being able to play a, a Power 5 opponent in year one is something I'm really excited about. I know the players are as well. Playing Wofford College down in South Carolina, they're perennially a, a national powerhouse in, in baseball, and 
and then we, we have Northeastern more locally, the University of Maine. So I think our out-of-conference schedule is, is an exciting one. It's going to involve a lot of fun travel and, and a great challenge for us as a program. Yeah, some tough teams there. I mean, even Maine and Northeastern have a strong reputation in baseball. Very. That's very good. Now, are you taking the team down south at all during the during kind of what we call the spring break period? Yeah, so we're going to go. We actually open up in Tulsa, Oklahoma against Oral Roberts University, and then we're going to head down to South Carolina twice, and then we finish up our out-of-conference play with a trip to the West Coast to play Seattle University. That's great. And, Elaine, how about you? What's what's your travel schedule? Are you guys going down south on the kind of the, the Florida uh, kind of trip? We are. We're staying similar to our schedule that we used to have in Division II. Um, we're starting – with the long weekend down in Florida. It's a tournament that hosts multiple teams, um, so I thought that was a good way to start this year in our first round of Division One. And within two weeks later, we'll go down to Florida again um, to play in a turn. It's, in fact, two tournaments that are on back-to-back -back weekends, and we'll insert a few games in between. But we'll see Central Michigan down there. We'll see St. Bonaventure and a lot of different opponents. It'll be, it's going to be very fun to see. Now, you play 50 games this year. We do. And Nick, baseball plays how many? We're allowed to play 56. We're a little bit below that number this year. We're in okay. the high 40s. Good for you. That's a lot of games, though. Yeah. Um, it will be a busy season all the way through May, probably, right? Yep. Well, good for you guys. And uh, tell me a little bit about um, how you see the competition. Like, what's going to be different from Division One to Division Two, and vice versa? I think from a baseball standpoint, what we're going to see is definitely an increase in the pitching talent. I think offensively, I expect, and I know our team expects to compete right away, I think what we're going to see is more depth across the board in pitching and who we're going to see on a day-to-day -day basis as opposed to what we saw in Division Two. But again, it's something that I feel really confident we're going to handle well and, and have some success early on. Very good. And how about you in the softball world? For us, we talk a lot about the fact that the pitching level is just a little bit higher. You're going to see a little bit more speed, a little bit more movement, a little bit more two-plane pitch movement, which means that much harder to, to make the contact and hitting. So it's the pitching and the hitting. The defense, I expect us to compete with anybody in this country. Um, you know, we've always been routinely a very strong defensive team. Um, and we talk to the kids, and we're not going to be Division One pitchers until we face Division One hitters, and we're not going to be Division One hitters until we face Division One pitchers. Um, but you know, it's going to happen quickly, and you know that as as our young pitching staff goes through, they face tougher hitters that are juniors and seniors, and have faced a tough level of pitching their their whole way through. It's going to make them improve. So, uh, but we're excited for the challenge. Great. And now you've uh, you know we a couple two years ago built a new facility. And softball, it's considered one of the better ones in the region. It's uh, turf on campus. Yeah, talk a little bit about how that's changed the game for you and, and, and the recruiting this and that. It's been interesting. One of the things that I wasn't expecting when the, the new field was built was the fact that we'd be able to play our schedule on time because we don't have any rainouts. In the old days, there were times we'd play 18 games in nine days because we got so backed up with weather. There were years, I've had multiple years, where we practiced – no, not at all once our season started or even just once. Um, now I have three days in between games, and I'm trying to decide what is it we want to work on at this point. Usually we're just playing game after game. Uh, but it's been a nice luxury to have that opportunity to give the kids the opportunity to have the rest, to study, um, and to get better in between each of our games. Um, from a recruiting standpoint, parents come down. They love the facility. You can – it's enjoyable to play on. It's enjoyable to watch games down there. Um, so it's been it's been very nice for us. Good. And Nick, you have a new facility off campus, uh, like a lot of the teams have. Big 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 process, but it's on turf. It's really nice. Uh, talk a little bit about how that's going to change your game and what you guys do. It's been great for us. And to Elaine's point, I think 
it allowed us with the turf and the lights to be able, our fall season was extended so long because as long as the temperatures allowed us to be out there, you know, weather wasn't necessarily a problem. I think from a playing standpoint, one of our strengths as a team, like I said, was our infield play. And, you know, our shortstop, Nick Shumsky, was the best defensive shortstop in the country last year. He won the Gold Glove Award. And, and our third baseman, second baseman, first baseman are really talented players. To play on turf just helps us that much more because it really plays to the strength of our team. So it's been great. I'm excited because I know we're going to be able to get out there and play and practice in the spring earlier than we ever have before. So it's been awesome and, and a lot of fun to be able to experience having that facility. Great. You know, for a lot of our, our listeners, um, you know, as the college just wrapped up its first big capital campaign, it's actually preparing for another one right away. And a big emphasis is going to be athletics, Jeremy, on yeah. that. And one of that is going to be um, an indoor turf field, uh, particularly for, 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 for baseball and softball and lacrosse, uh, spring sports that actually uh, want to start early and get, get, get year-round training in. Talk a little bit about what we're trying to do there. Yeah, you know, so much of it comes down to preparation for, our, for all of our student-athletes and for our coaches working with them. And, and while we have the facilities now outdoors for the teams to be able to get out earlier, to be able to use the facilities in different types of weather, to have the capacity on our campus for baseball and softball to go indoors, to, to work on fielding, to be in batting cages, for our lacrosse teams to be able to go in and shoot. Um, you need to score to win, right? So we need to, to work on our shooting. But um, when you look at the impact that an indoor field would have on so many of our student athletes, we look at it as being just a, a really smart investment as we go forward and one that's going to help leverage our success in, in a, a bunch of different sports. Um, and I know that in conversations with our coaches, they're excited about the prospect of having that resource on campus. Um, and it, it just it makes the whole process more efficient for our students as well. There are venues around this campus that, that we've had the ability to go to in the off season and practice indoors, but it's off campus um, to have something like that on campus and keep it efficient with our students coming from classes and, and being able to get their workouts in right here will be really meaningful for their experience. Um, and again, I don't mean to speak for Elaine and Nick, but I know that, that they're two of our coaches who are really excited. Yeah, about we're excited about that, that. We were, as Jeremy knows, we have been working a little bit on um, master capital plans mm -hmm. and um, those have come along pretty good you guys haven't seen that stuff yet as coaches but I, I think building a, a field house facility is one of the main emphasis of the next set of fundraising yeah they haven't seen it but they're two of the coaches knocking uh, on my door when are we going to have an indoor indoor space I think fairly soon actually <laughs> yeah. is the goal you know yeah, I mean great. I think within the next uh Hopefully within the next 18 to 24 months. Yeah, you know, you mentioned you mentioned talking about the teams and some of the changes with the different level of play and and pitching is something that you both talked about. Uh, Nick, you're in an interesting situation where you've actually got uh, three of your pitchers that are probably slotted to to pitch meaningful innings for you over the course of the year. All three and over high school baseball guys from from right down the road and Tim Kalanzakis and Cedric Gillette and Dan Amadon. Um, Tell me a little bit about the uniqueness of that, but then beyond it, how has the recruiting changed in terms of, of kind of the regionality of, of who you're seeing being interested in playing baseball at Merrimack? Yeah, it's certainly unique to get three kids from the same high school in the same area, and each one has a really unique recruiting story as to how we, we got them. Um, I talked with Joey Rubino, who was their Legion coach, who, who turned me on to Dan Amadon. We brought him in when I went to see him. I saw an outfielder on the team, Timmy Kalanzakis, who didn't even really pitch, and I liked how his arm moved, and we said, hey, let's try to bring him in as a pitcher and see how he does, and 
He's been our best arm for the last couple of years now. And then Cedric Gillette was an underclassman, same kind of deal. I went and watched Timmy and, and saw Cedric. And to be able to bring those three kids in uh, from the Andover community, which is great baseball to begin with, and then to have them come in and be such an integral part of our program has been awesome. Um, I, I think it's, you know, the recruiting aspect going into Division One, you certainly get a lot younger of a prospective student athlete reaching out to you. So before it was maybe we're talking to juniors and seniors in high school, and now all of a sudden you're getting the freshmen and the sophomores to reach out to you. The geographic area is much larger. So it's been fun. It's definitely a little bit more of a daunting task to sort through all that, but it's a good problem to have. That's great. So, uh, Nick, you know, um, the Northeast 10 as a Division two used wooden bats. And... Um, you're going to aluminum in the NEC, and I think you've always used aluminum in softball. Talk a little bit about that advantage or disadvantage, tradition versus kind of the nuance of that. Yeah, so I actually, I grew up in Braintree, Massachusetts, and our high school conference played with wooden bats. And then I went to St. Anselm College where it was a wood bat conference in the Northeast 10, so I have used nothing but wooden bats for the last 20 or so years. So it's different. But I'm excited about it. As much as my background is pitching, and that's what I played and what I coach, I, I like offense, and I like scoring runs, and I like home runs, and all the exciting parts of baseball. So I'm excited about the metal bats. I think it's going to play to our strengths as a team. It's certainly going to be different. Uh, I think the sound of a wooden bat is, is a special sound, and it's more of that traditional what you think of with baseball. But from a performance and playing standpoint, I'm happy and excited to go to metal bats. Great. Elaine, let's talk about your players a little bit. You've got some uh, really talented uh, young ladies on your team this year. Talk about them, and and you've seen some of them. Your seniors have come a long way, and they're excited. What's the experience been like them going to Division One? What do you see the freshmen coming in? Uh, you know, talk a bit about your players. Well, the first thing, we are an extremely young team this year. Uh, we have only two seniors. We have 16 freshmen and sophomores. Wow. Um, which is very exciting, can be a little bit intimidating, but the innocence of the youngness going into a new, entirely different type of situation can be a really great thing. Um, and they're all really excited that they're all con Division One players. Uh, but our two seniors, fantastic leaders. Um, Tiff Mangiamelli, she's been our s shortstop for four years. Um, and interestingly enough, Tiff's sister, uh, Stephanie, plays for Sacred Heart who's considered one of the top softball teams. So it'll be fun this year. She's a fifth-year senior, and we'll have the two of them playing against one another. Um, and then we have six juniors who are extraordinary leaders, um, and we're going to rely on them very strongly for their leadership and what they bring to the table. We brought in three fantastic pitchers. They're freshmen. They're young. They're going to face high-level hitting, and it's going to be enjoyable to watch them grow. I think it'll happen quickly for them. They're very athletic. Once we made the decision to go Division One, within six weeks, we had the good fortune to sign two California girls who are co have come in this year, and they're doing a great job. And as we've transitioned, we've, the recruiting process for us has changed quite a bit, too. As we had the good fortune to go to California, we've committed three other California players to come in the next two years. So we've seen a huge demographic change over the course of this, wow. which is very, that, very that's nice. That's a big change, yeah. Yes, it is. And um, tell me, you know, you're going to be – Start your season off in Florida. It looks like about a third of your games are going to be in Florida in the first 20, 30 days. Mm -hmm. What's that like for the team in terms of travel, school? How are you managing all that? The first one's a long weekend. What's nice about the long weekend, we'll play six games. We come back for two weeks, um, and I believe that that's going to be a great opportunity to make some adjustments that we might need to make that we learn along the way. 
They'll miss one day of school. Um, I think I'm excited that the way it works for softball is different for other sports, and I really think that our kids are going to handle their academics well in this transition. As much as we go on the road, most of our regional games are, you know, we're up here within two hours of travel during the weekdays. So I think from a comfort standpoint for them academically, which can be a big stressor for these kids, um, I think we're in a good position. So we'll come back up. We'll have the two weeks, hopefully make some adjustments that we might need to make. We'll go back down there and be ready to go for the rest of the way. Good for you. Nick, how about your boys? Tell us a little bit about them and what they're thinking about going Division One and what they're saying. Yeah, I think a lot of guys are ready to prove that, that we can compete right away. And they know that. And I think, you know, behind closed doors in the locker room, we talk about that a lot, that the, the team and, and the culture is a program that we've built. I think this extends to a lot of the, the teams at Merrimack. I know Elaine similarly has done a great job. The things that we've worked so hard to create over the last few years are going to translate to Division One. We just have to make sure as coaches and a program and players, we're consistent with all of that. Nothing changes for us in terms of what we're about and what our trademark is as a program. We just have to be consistent on a day-to-day basis in our preparation and, and how we show up to play every day. Yeah. What's it like for the, for the kids, uh, both the, 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 um, the men and the women, in terms of the success of the fall sports and even the winter sports? What's, what's that been like? Added pressure, more excitement? I think it's great. Uh, you know, I know this specifically working with Elaine that we're both a spring sport. We, we root for each other, and everybody wants to see everybody have success. And to see what Coach Martone did in the fall and now what basketball is doing and what I anticipate a lot of our teams are going to do, it's awesome. I think it just, you know, helps us as a, as a department and makes us really proud of what we're a part of. And yeah. we know that we're going to be a part of something special. Elaine, how about you with the girls? I think that it provides a lot of confidence as they watch their fellow athletes having a lot of success. Um, It creates that attitude that we've made the right decision here, they're ready to go, and that we're all going to be able to compete at this next level. And, uh, you know, they have, they do nothing but go out there and cheer for their fellow athletes and all the sports. And it's been nice to watch um, the support amongst the coaches. Um, We've had a lot of dialogue, uh, you know, always texting Joey and Monique right now. And um, just as everybody has the success, it's just creating a lot more support within our within our department. It's been really a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. So tell me a little bit about, um, Elaine, for your team, expectations. Like, like, what would you consider, you know, we're going Division One. You're going to put her on the spot now. You're everybody wants to win the national championship. You can't, actually can't even do that for four years. But, but tell me about how, in that transition period, how you're building expectations, what you expect of the team, what they expect of themselves. What, what would you consider a successful season? Well, Tony Martone came in, and Jeremy asked the question, you know, what kind of advice would you provide all of us as you have this kind of success this year? And he said, honestly, I came in, and I told them all, I expect us to win every game. And in 50 games, that's, that's a pretty high expectation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but I get the attitude. Um, I think making sure that we get, by the end of the season, that we've created the winning culture of a Division One program. We, we know, both Nick and I and many of our programs, knew how to have a winning culture within the, the Division Two, but it's starting over right now. Um, so by the end of the season, love to have that attitude and, the, and actually experience the winning culture. Um, I'd love to see us finish up in the top four um, of the NEC. I know that's a lofty goal, but there's no reason we can't set that kind of goal for ourselves. Yeah. Um, I definitely see that happening whether it's this year or within the very short coming Well, that's years. a great goal, you know. I mean, it's, it's a, it is a change in pace. It mm-hmm. is a, a change in talent, you know. I think whether it be football or basketball, 
uh, lacrosse, uh, soccer, I mean, across the board, I think uh, we've surprised people at Division One level. But at the same time, I'm not really surprised. I mean, we, we had, we've invested in Division Two, and prepared ourselves for Division One as, as if I hadn't talked about it for seven, eight years. And I think that, it, you know, we were, we had built a, a great kind of culture on that and for that. Nick, a little bit about, you, you know, your team and what you hope uh, your team will accomplish this year and in the future. Yeah, I think what we always talk about is there's there's certainly a difference between confidence and arrogance, and we want to be on the side of confidence, and that's to know that we are a talented team. We have the ability to be really successful in the NEC right away so long as we put in the work, and we do what we know we're capable of doing, and we approach it that every single day is a new day to get better and you know again we're not trying to go overboard and talk about how we're going to win the conference in year one that's not what it's about but we know that we have the ability and the players in place and the coaching staff in place to be successful immediately so i want to kind of change the topic a little bit and probably go to a more controversial topic um but but one i think that's important because at the end of the day uh, uh, colleges are about teaching um young people ethics and values not just putting information in their head. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the baseball scandal, right, and um, the unfortunateness of that and, and how you're both as coaches dealing with that. Because even though it doesn't directly affect you, it does, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it is a profession that you both love, softball, baseball, and it does, I think, apply to both. I think at the end of the day, I mean, it, you know, other than the size of the ball and the size of the field, the rules are generally the same, generally, right? And so, so you know, we've, we've, we've got this scandal going on. You've seen uh, a lot of fallout. Even our own home team, our, our, our beloved Red Sox, are really kind of, you know, it's, it's been bad. Talk a little bit about, about if that's even come up with your team or what you personally think about that. You know, Elaine, what, what do you think about all that? Well, I mean, it's been a little bit disappointing uh, being a coach and a former athlete. Um, you're watching a lot of these people that we have respected so highly for so long um, that are kind of falling here. Um, but for us and how we handle it, um, we don't cheat. You know, we, we play the game the way it's supposed to be played. There's ethics behind it. And when I believe a student athlete graduates from Merrimack College, they understand the difference between right and wrong. The Augustinian values, they're good people. They do really good things in this world and society. And just continue to stay focused on what it is we want our student athletes to do when they get, when they graduate from here and go out and beyond in the real world. Yeah. Nick, how about you? Yeah, I think one thing we, we expressed to our guys early on, there are four standards of our program, and standards for us are things that never change. And the most important one is we do the right thing always. And I think there is... There's been a lot of talk about gray area in baseball with sign stealing and is it okay and is it not okay and then once electronics were brought into it okay now it's not okay and and for us you know guys have talked about it and a lot of it's good natured kind of ribbing we have some new york guys and we have some boston guys so they like to go at each other a little bit but for us you know like elaine said we're, we're not going to cheat and that's not something that we do and we just want to do the right thing and, and be great ambassadors and, and representatives of merrimack college in the community that's great you know, I think um, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you don't like to see these kind of lessons in the world, right? But the reality is is that they happen. And um, and for me as a president, what's really important, both of you just gave, you know, not canned answers, but I didn't have this on my, my list of questions. I kind of threw it at you. But uh, both of you had, uh, I think, the kind of answers that make me proud as a president because it's, it, it is our values as an institution are really about doing the right thing. Our values and institution are about, you know, you know, 
our Augustinian community and what it means to be part of that. And, and I think that transcends what what makes athletics at Merrimack so good isn't the wins and losses, it isn't it isn't the Division One, it's actually the kids. And 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 I think we see that in the Hall of Fame event every year when we go to that now. And you know I think you've both had people, you know, uh, just this past year actually get 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 nominated and and selected for it. And uh, whether it be the national championship team or whether it be you know a Minnesota Twins player. Um, uh, Ryan O'Rourke. I mean, they both exemplify what's what what, what Merrimack's all about and, yeah. and how they they live out what they do. I think that's great. Jeremy, you want to jump? Yeah, in? I was just going to say, and beyond some of the the great student athletes who are recognized for for some of the things that they did on the field, both Elaine and Nick have had student athletes within the last year or two um, who have been recognized for things that they did in terms of their citizenship for at Merrimack College as well. And with Nicole Nanoff uh, for the the softball team and Matt Renai. Uh, with the baseball program, two of our, our the college's year-end award recipients. Um, you know, so so talk to us a little bit about that side of things. The the word culture has come up a few times in this conversation, and and culture goes beyond your sport. So talk to us about some of the things that are happening that we might not see every day in terms of what your programs are doing in the community, what they're doing for service, um, and how you you kind of keep the the. Uh, expectations for your program more broadly grounded in in those kind of Augustinian types of efforts. One of the things that I really really focus on when I'm out recruiting, you can find a great softball player very easily. You can tell when an athlete's staring you right in the face. It's finding the people that are good people, um, finding kids that are raised by families that love each other, that care, um, they work hard, and they have the values that we want them to be enhanced when we when we have the opportunity to coach them for four years. That creates the culture, and it's interesting because Merrimack College itself has that culture. So recruiting kids into it really isn't that challenging, uh, but it is something that we take a lot of time, do our due diligence to make sure they're good people when we when we recruit them, and therefore they fit very well into this culture that we have here. Kids come on campus, we bring them on a recruiting visit. I'm finding it challenging to find kids that don't want, at the end of their visit, to hear an offer because they want to be here and we still have to weed through do we want them here you know do we you know what where are we at with our recruiting process but it's it's a very easy place to work within because the culture of the college is exactly what we're looking for for athletes yeah I think for us the easy part is finding who a good baseball player is they jump off the page at you can see it right away the more difficult part becomes trying to find out who's going to fit in with your program and Merrimack College as a whole, and, and you work really hard at that, and, and it's a process of talking to the players and meeting their families and, and going through the recruitment process and helping them understand what's important to us as a program, and, and that service, community service, leadership part is incredibly important to us, and a lot of the things that we do throughout the year, so you know, we work with a group called Versus Cancer, which works with Dana-Farber to end or to help research with pediatric brain cancer and I know as a department a lot of us work with Team Impact and we work with the youth communities um, in Andover, Lawrence, North Andover, those areas and for players to really embrace how special that relationship is and how important that is for us as a program and athletic department and Merrimack College those are the kids that we're really trying to find and bring in to help develop that culture. We also look for the opportunity for the, are provided to all of our students here that our athletes take part in them. We had one of Jenna White just came back from. Um, she went down to Costa Rica. Costa Rica, um, 
and she's fabulous. Um, but we have many, many of our athletes taking hold of opportunities, which leads to things like Nicole Nanoff receiving an award and, and some of our athletes that partake in all of the opportunities that Merrimack has to offer. Yeah. Well, let me wrap this up with one more question. We've already been at 40 minutes. Um, but let me um, ask you both just personally. Um, you both have had uh, athletic success in your life. You're, you both went to college. Um, but you you both had many opportunities, right? I mean, but you both chose chose the coaching profession, right? Um, Nick, talk a little bit about why you chose coaching, what you get out of it, and, and, and why you like it so much. I think the most important part is I still see myself as an educator. We're helping develop, for me specifically, young men and kids that come to us when they're 18 years old. And hopefully what, what I always tell recruits when they come in, yes, my goal is to get you to the next level to play professionally. Whether you're 21 years old or 41 years old, at some point baseball is going to end for you, and, and I take a lot of pride in helping develop them into being great young men when they leave Merrimack, and that's the gratification that I get from it as a coach. Selfishly, I you know I, I was forced to give up my playing career, and that's fine, but I still love the competitiveness of it, which is why I really enjoy going to the field every day and playing and coaching and doing all that stuff, but... I think it's special, you know, when we can bring kids like Matt Ronay back and see how they've really transformed into great people um, from when they first came to us and, and how we've been able to develop those kids. And, and that's something that I hope I can do for a very, very long time is to continue coaching. I'm sure you will, um, hopefully here. Uh, and Lane, how about you? Well, I've had I've carried a lot of roles in my life, but coaching has been the the main one. Um, I did have a three year window where I wasn't coaching, um, and I'm a little bit older than Nick, um, and some sometimes I have dialogue with my spouse about don't don't you want to get into administration by now? And the answer is no, I don't. I took three years off from coaching, and my heartache while I was not coaching was too significant. I love working with the kids, much much like Nick talked about. I remember when I was young having a conversation with my father as I was choosing choosing the education pro profession, and he was a businessman. And he said to me, I don't understand. You know, you're not going to make a lot of money and the whole thing. And I said to him, Dad, to me, my goal in life and the most important thing is to make a difference in people's lives. And this creates that opportunity uh, on top of the fact that we have the opportunity to compete. Um, make no mistake, we're all out here doing our very best and wanting to win. And um, having that opportunity every day is, is really important to me. That's great. I appreciate both of you coming today. It's been great to have you here. Jeremy, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, you know, it's really fortunate to have both of you here with us today. Thank you for sharing not just uh, kind of your expectations for the upcoming season, but your perspectives on what it means to be, as you said, Nick, an educator for our student athletes. You both do a fantastic job um, in working with the programs. Very excited for the weather to warm up a little bit, get you outside. Um, and get you competing, and I think you know we're looking forward to great things for both of your programs. Great. Thank you. Well, thank Thanks. you for being here. I want to thank Nick Baris, men's baseball coach, and Elaine Schwager, who's uh, actually head softball coach. As always, with our athletic director Jeremy Gibson. Thanks, Jeremy, for being here. Today. Thanks, Chris. Uh, for all of our listeners, uh, enjoy the show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks.